The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit WINNBet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports simplified. All you have to do is pick your favorite player over and unders to cash in. Head on over to prizefix.com and use promo code SGP for a 100% instant deposit match. And next, we're brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. And we're also brought to you by SoBet. Sign up to bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at sobet.io slash SGPN. That's S-O-B-E-T dot I-O slash S-G-P-N. And finally, we're brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that allows you to sync your fantasy football league and bet on head-to-head matchups. Download the app today or just head on over to betterfantasy.com slash S-G-P-N. That's B-E-T-T-O-R fantasy.com slash S-G-P-N. And while you're downloading apps, don't forget to download the SGPN app. It's your home for all of our free picks and podcasts right there in the palm of your hand. Download it wherever it is you download apps. Howdy ho, Generinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Yes, you've made it to the podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're one of our long-standing listeners, welcome also. If you're from Spain, welcome. If you're from Australia, welcome. If you're from, what's a new country? Netherlands, welcome also. Um, welcome to all, one and for all. And for the one and a half women that listen to our podcast over under, Welcome to you as well. This is, I would be Jeff Fox, and this is episode 97. We will dedicate this one to South Park, who uh, who first came into our world in 1997 and just put out an amazing episode just last week. So they're still kicking after all these years. Now, I am I was thinking my associate co-host probably is a fan, but then again, he was eight when it started, when it came out. So we're going to have to figure that out. Uh, he's not allowed to talk yet, so he... He's probably dying to answer, but I'm not going to let him answer just yet. Um, like I said, you've come to the, the right place. This is the MMA Gambling Podcast where you're going to get amazing banter and even better gambling advice, at least from one half of us. won't tell you which one. Um, let's introduce my worser half. Um, he, Some would say he is the general disarray to my Professor Chaos. That will let me know whether or not he knows South Park or not. You may know him as Ga- Daniel. I almost called him Daniel. Daniel Dumby Greeland. <laughs> so two things. First of all, yep. I, I hear your your comment on you're going to get better picks from one half. I will remind you <laughs> that you're down about nine hundred bucks to me in the last two events. Yeah. Um. So th- there's leaking. that. There's I, that. I've you're, sprung a leak. Yes. You were like you're like there's only four events left and I'm up sixteen hundred bucks. <laughs> I can't possibly blow that. Uh, and here we are, 700 bucks apart with two events, two giant ass events to go to. 15 fights on this one, and I think I saw 14 next week. Um, well, let's not forget so. what is on the line, too. It's a face tattoo of the other person's <laughs> name underneath yeah. our eye, written in fancy script. Look, looking just like Sugar Sean O'Malley. Sugar Sean, or that, 
who's that guy? Post Malone, or I guess all 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 the kids have those. Car- Carlos Carlos uh, Boy Felipe has one. Of oh yes, Boy too. has one. That's true. Not <laughs> yeah. Ya Boy. That we'll be speaking about Ya Boy soon enough. But no, Boy. Yeah, and uh, to to answer your second set of questions, no, I am not a oh uh, fan of South Park. I did grow up in the era where people were into it. Like my older brother was into it. A bunch of kids who I like went to high school with and stuff were into it. It was just. Uh, it's not for me. I don't. It's too I don't juvenile know. for you, Dan. I, I think yes. Oh uh, I, th- I think yes. Such a uh, loser. It's not. It's You're not a loser, witty. man. It's not witty. It's not witty enough for me, or something. I don't. I don't know what it is, but uh, could never get into it. Another big announcement, actually. Um, I am in the process of looking for a new co-host. So if anyone <laughs> wants to send applications, you know where to find me, Jeff Fox writer on the super fan John Twitter. like like uh like I don't know. Like you'd I don't probably, know. He he probably it, can't leave for a while. Uh, all I know is he likes food and he likes gambling and he does not like fighters from the Chinese performance center. Other than that, uh, he, he's pretty much a, a clear slate to me. So we, well, we can project him, anything we want on him. I don't think him. there's anybody from the, the Chinese Performance Institute uh, fighting in the last two weeks. So there you go. You can no. give him a little trial run. <laughs> pretty much everyone else on the roster is, is competing, like you said, on these monster fight cards. Um, yeah, we were we previewed a 15 fighter last week, even though uh, we ended up only getting what 13. And this week, um, as of now, we're going to be doing another 15. A fight card but this one actually is is rather stacked um no the rankings i do i talk about all the time on the mma-manifesto.com my mma site i started doing them excuse me i started doing them on my on the fight um fight card pages four years ago actually exactly four years ago it was december 2017 and this week's card is the highest rated card uh, i have ever uh, rated on there based on strength of schedule based on title fights based on who is fighting in each fight and who's fighting the main event, co-main event? So I was a little surprised. I knew it was stacked, but but this is this is the most most stacked or most stackiest card of, over the past four years. Yeah, and that might surprise some people listening to, but I would say because your rankings uh, gives credence to the early fights as well as the later ones, like it doesn't surprise me because like this one from the first fight has like a, a really fun prospects in it in like people yep. who absolutely go like Ryan Hall was in the top 15 just like uh you know probably a couple weeks ago or just before he yep. lost to Ilya Tapuria he's fighting in the third fight um in the fourth fight is a guy coming off of a loss in a title fight he's in a he was in a title fight his last fight he's on the yes, the, right. the first set of prelims in this fight so yeah like it, top to bottom this card is just insane. So uh, it doesn't surprise me all that much. No, it's established. We got established names, established stars. We got up and coming people. It's pretty much got everything you could you could ask for in a fight card. Um, just like the early prelims would be a, a very solid fight card. Basically, the six fights on the pre, on the early part of the prelims are, are pretty are pretty solid. It, it could make up a like a one of the worst fight nights, but like you know, <laughs> yeah, throw, maybe not the worst. Throw a Holly Holm fight at the top of it, and it's yeah. definitely a definitely a fight night card. No, it, it definitely it would be a fight night card. Yeah. Um, all right. Before we get into that, I'm going to tell you about a new sponsor of ours, Tick Pick. Someone thought on the Slack thought uh, the first word was not Tick. They thought it was some other kind of pick, but no, it, we're not that kind of organization. This is Tick T I C K Tick. Dan wouldn't understand what I'm talking about because he doesn't like lowbrow humor apparently. So. Um, <laughs> College football's championship weekend is behind us, but bowl season is upon 
almost upon us, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for tickets to see your favorite team play in their bowl game this winter. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K, like I said, T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need to go as your go-to for all tickets for NCAA football, NFL concerts, NBA, and more. All right, if we actually went and did things, what would we buy tickets for, Dan? You and I are going to go somewhere. What are we buying tickets off TickPick for? Go. Well, the last time, last time I bought tickets, I went to the World Series. So it's true. All right, NBA Finals <laughs> will go to then. All right, in Phoenix. That, that's what in Phoenix. Yes, in, in Phoenix. Phoenix. You don't want to catch yeah. the game in Chicago? That'll be close. Well, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> uh, TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices in all of their college football tickets. I don't really know much about college football. Should we go to a college football game off TickPick, too? Do you know much about college football? I, I know the least amount about college football as I do about pretty much any North American sport. <laughs> all right. We're not going to a college football game. Uh, we're going to the BCS championship game there. That's what we're going to. That's that's a big thing, right? Yeah. I just Al- talked to Eric Alabama Anders. Alabama and someone? I just, I just talked to Eric Anders about their uh, semifinals. Oh, yeah, yeah, boy. More on him coming up. yeah. yeah. Don't believe it. I'm talking about TickPick, not Eric Anders. Don't believe it. If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Wow, that's a very good deal. So we're talking about TickPick.com slash SGP, of course. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com slash SGP. What else should I tell you about? Let me tell you about price picks, too. I I like to spring these things on my my co-host, even though I think by now he should probably have caught on when I'm going to ask him questions during the ads, but we'll see. Price Picks is the easy way to play Daily Fantasy. Daily Fantasy, Daily Fantasy, hmm, no, Daily Fantasy, simplified. I put two words together there. You can pick two to five players and an over-under on their projection, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Use promo code SGP, of course, once again, and receive 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. So basically just you versus projected numbers. Price Picks has a ton of stats to choose from. Good yards, receptions, touchdowns, fantasy points, and more. PriceFix allows mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. PriceFix offers every sport you can think of, like NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. PriceFix has an award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. PriceFix is 4.8 star rated. Some scumbags didn't give it five. In the App Store with rave reviews, PricePix entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. PricePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. PricePix.com, promo code SGP for the 100% deposit match. And Dan, give us some picks. G- give right, us at I'm least gonna, a couple of MMA ones, maybe. I'm, I'm going to take uh, Randy Costa's under on the amount of time he is fighting. Uh, they the Zohan. They said the Zohan's going to fight for seven and a half minutes. I'm going to say he fights for less than that. I'm also going to take the over on takedowns from Andre Muniz. They've got him at one and a half takedowns. I think he shoots probably 100 and at least gets two against Eric, your boy, Anders. And as far as significant strikes go, I'm going to go with, hmm, let's say the under on Tai Tuivasa at only 26 and a half. And I know it seems crazy to go on the under on that, but I think he throws like two when he gets the knockout. So, oh, 26 um, and a half strikes, you mean? Yeah, significant. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. So, so I'm gonna yeah, take yeah. Uh, the under on Tai Tuivasa's uh, significant strikes, the over on the takedowns from Andre Muniz, and the under on fight time for Randy Costa. Yeah, I like those. Very good. So remember, promo code SGP PricePicks.com, 100% deposit match. All right. Any uh, anything else? Any news or anything we think we need to get out of the way before we break down this card? I'm, don't no, think I think anything really exciting happened. 
Other Con- we- Conor McGregor swole now. Other than that, that's that's the big news. Yeah, sure. He's that's, massive. I guess, like he I guess that. Bees. I guess that's yeah. His face looks weird. Um, I guess that's news. I would say more important to me is this fifteen fight fight card. <laughs> yes, exactly. We don't really care about uh, uh, Zion Williamson's three hundred thirty pounds. Is that? Yeah, he looks three hundred. He looks three hundred thirty <laughs> pounds. <laughs> yes, I have him in a fan. I, I I got him late in fantasy. I figured it was worth uh, a stab at it. So he's been on my IL the whole year. It hasn't really paid, out, pre- paid off. I'm pretty sure that's short shack now. I think that's what we have to yes, call. Yes, exactly. Well, <laughs> I, apparently Barkley said it's like if, if a Barkley and Shaq had a baby. That's what it would look Ugh. like. So, <laughs> imagine that. Imagine I don't them, wanna, I don't wanna imagine do them that. trying to have one, first of all, Dan. <laughs> or or does your mind not get go into dirty areas like that, Dan? I don't, you're such I don't a, think they're older than now. I don't think I can handle that. Shaq is really yeah. big. <laughs> he is really big and very sweaty. All right. UFC 269. <laughs> Oliveira versus Poirier fight card. These guys are big and sweaty too, right? Um, all right. We are at the T-Mobile Arena in Paradise, Nevada, United States, not Las Vegas. Um, what else? Oh, I'll tell you start times. I always forget to tell you that. Pay-per-view, obviously, is on pay-per-view. It starts at 10. Normal prelims, ESPN Plus. Starts at eight, I think. As of now, it was ESPN Plus. I don't think it's on the big ESPN. Probably not. It's probably some college football, right? Um, and then early prelims are six, I believe, and they are on ESPN Plus, UFC Fight, fight Pass, etc. Uh, Fifteen fights, like we said, very stacked fight card. Now, did we lose anything? Oh, I don't think we really lost any fight. No, yeah, we lost uh, Moreno versus Figueroa. We didn't really lose it. They just uh, they moved it, and uh, we were. And, Instead, they put in Masvidal versus Leon Edwards, which has since fallen through. Imagine if we had that fight on here, too. Those guys are – that would have made this fight card insane. Yeah, we also had a couple of fights just change. Like, uh, so yeah, originally that, that, originally yeah, we had Macy Barber versus Montana De La Rosa. Montana yeah. De La Rosa dropped out and was replaced by Aaron Blanchfield, who was supposed to fight Macy yeah. Barber. And then Macy Barber yeah. withdrew, and now we have Aaron Blanchfield versus Miranda Maverick, um, which is weird. And then Andre Muniz is supposed to fight Driscus Duplices, who I was really excited yeah. to see. In fact, I even talked about him as the up-and-comer at, at middleweight that we should keep an eye on. And instead, now he fights the aforementioned ya-boy Eric Anders. Ya-boy. Yeah, All right, um... So is it true that Macy Barber pulled out because she heard one of her, her podcasts and like she's too emotionally uh, upset now to fight? She can't I stop would, crying because Gumby, Gumby badmouths her every episode pretty much. I I wouldn't be bummed if that was the case. <laughs> oh, she's just a kid, Dan. She's just a kid. Dan actually hates someone on this fight card. Uh, maybe not at Macy's Barber <laughs> level, but I always find it entertaining. Usually, it's I can predict who you're not going to like. Usually, it's a pretty girl, Dan, and because uh, you're a misogynist, and uh, it's usually it's a fan favorite, and they're usually ones that you you um, you really go hard on. But there's I don't know there's a weird one in this car that we're going to get into fairly soon, which I don't really get it because he's like under the radar and hardly anyone knows him. Maybe they know his nickname, but it's a strange one. Well, when we get to it, you have to explain that to me. All right, I guess we should jump in. It's gonna it's gonna be a while, but it's gonna be fun. Um, how did you find handicapping or picking this card? Miserable. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bad one to handicap. There's a lot of close fights, and there's also, like, a lot of the favorites who I do like on this fight card ha- have, like, a clear problem that I'm just, like, blindly saying, yeah. like, oh, they'll handle it in some way, shape, or form with no actual knowledge if they can't handle it. And that's the favorites yeah. I'm picking. Like, the favorites I'm picking, I'm, like, overlooking their issues, uh, and that's never a good feeling when you've got some, like, you know, 
there are some with pretty big minus numbers too that I just yeah I'm not sure about. Not a good feeling when you're you got 700 bucks still to to catch up on uh, on Jeff over two events. So um, yeah, I have at least three fights I'm I'm waffling on. Uh, one of them very much so. Um, I, I think you're pretty solid in your one pick uh, against me. I don't, I don't know if you're going to sway me though, but um, we shall see. I, I think we'll. Probably start off with it with the easiest one to handicap, maybe, or one of the easiest ones. Uh, start things off. The curtain jerker is a women's flyweight, Jillian Robertson versus Priscilla Cachoeira. Who would have predicted she would still be in the UFC? Cachoeira, that that would be after being practically murdered by Valentina Shevchenko. Um, she's saved her career somehow. She she has she's yeah. she's still <laughs> thank you wow that was I, very good I, I don't know what other insight to give you she's still no, here no she it's beat, just surprising she beat Shanna Dobson <laughs> yeah no but but she was very well I guess it was based on her competition but she seemed very clearly not UFC caliber but she's lasted five fights so who am I to say all right let's break it down because Dan does not have much to say about this let's see what happens <laughs> when I throw to him out of the blue he's not prepared all right um, Cachoeira is pe- Pedrita do you know what that means Dan. Pedrita. It must mean Pedrita. Small foot. Little stone. Oh, yeah. But I think she makes... mostly goes mostly goes by zombie girl. Do you know what that means? I, I think it's a girl that's a zombie. Yes, you're right. All right, Jillian Robertson is the savage. You know what that means? Yeah, that's that's one of your favorite your favorite. <laughs> <names>. <laughs> yes, well, something Dana White likes savages. Uh, she's also Canadian. She, I think she's one of the. I think she's like Felicia Spencer, where she. Grew up in the states or grew up in Florida, basically. Um, so, but we we basically take credit for anyone who's like we. She may have moved to the states when she was a teenager, but we're taking credit that she's Canadian. Um, and on the flip side, like Lupi Godinez moved here when she was a teenager, and we're we're taking credit for her too. So, what we basically latch on to whatever we can up here um, and call it Canadian. So, all right, let's tell you about the non-Canadian first, Cachoeira. Um, zombie girl, ten and three, six knockouts, two and three in the UFC. But she lost her first three fights. Um, almost got murdered in one of the ones. Uh, but she's won two straight off a of TKO, not against the greatest competition. Who was Dobson and I can't remember the other one. Uh, she's Gina Mizani. Gina Mizani. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she's she's better than Dobson, I guess. Um, she used to fight at bantamweight. She's two inches taller than Robertson. Got two inches of reach. She's one and a half times more active striking. Uh, that means she lands one and a half times more strikes per minute, based on the stats. Uh, and she's at plus 280. Uh, Savage Robertson, the Dean Thomas pupil, nine and three, one knockout, six submissions. Are you, first of all, are you proud I didn't say Din Thomas, how I always pronounce names like they're spelled? I call them I, I am really, really proud of that. Dean <laughs> yeah. would be pissed about that. He really <laughs> fucking hates that. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Uh, nine and six, one knockout, six submissions for Robertson, six and four in the UFC. So she's pretty much done all her growing up in the UFC. She has lost her past two fights, though. Um, she was 0-1 in the Ultimate Fighter house. She used to fight down at strawweight. So basically, we have a strawweight uh, versus a bantamweight uh, in their past lives, at least. She's seven years younger than Cachorrea. Striking stats in her favor. Grappling stats in her favor. Minus 375. Um, I think grappling is carrying the day here. Uh, I'm never crazy about 375 lines, but uh, Robertson is the pick. Yeah, this is another one of those ones where I kind of hate the number because, like, yeah. she she has a flaw, right? Like, she's... If she yes. can't get you down, she's going to get hurt. Um, Talia Santos did it to her. Miranda Maverick did it to her. And, like, 
the the problem with Priscilla Cachoeira and why I'm not tempted to play that number at all is because Gina Mazzani, the aforementioned Gina Mazzani, took her down four times. And, and not that Gina can't wrestle a little bit, but I really do think uh, Jillian Robertson can both wrestle maybe even a little bit better than Mazzani and has a little bit better jiu-jitsu once she gets there. So I, I do like her. I'm going to pick her in this fight, but I do really think that there is a path to victory here for Cachoeira. It's just not big enough for me to even like that number. Yep, I think this like was this probably the easiest one to pick on the on the card. Maybe not line wise, but just if you're picking a winner, it's one of the easiest ones. There, for me, it's it one it's one of the easiest ones. Not that I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything. I don't think by saying that Amanda Nunez is probably the easiest pick on this. Oh, card. she's fighting this week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, she, she's basically above and beyond anything anything else that uh, we, we possibly could get back to. She's in a class of her own. Um, that goat. All right, um, so Dan is tipping his hand. Okay, i got to change my pick now to Amanda Nunes. Right. Um, Bantamweight, the aforementioned the Zohan, which may be the best nickname because it's <laughs> from like an obscure Adam uh, Maybe I guess there's no such thing as obscure Adam Sandler movies, but nonetheless, uh, the Zohan, who looks just like the Zohan from that movie. Randy Costa, I think I watched the Zohan with a kid lying on top of me sleeping, I think, if I remember correctly. It, was, it came out a long time ago, right? It did, yes. Yes, yeah, that would that would make sense then. Um, who's he? Who's he fighting? He's fighting prime time. Tony Kelly. All right, um, Tony Kelly, seven and two, two knockouts, three submissions. Never been finished in a fight. One and one in the UFC. He lost his debut, won his last fight, but that was back in October of 2020. Which brings me to our stats that we like to check in every once in a while. Let's see how we are on fighters who have taken a year off. Uh, it's actually swung. Uh, out of their favor. For a while there, they were fighters with more than a year off was like above 50%, but now it's down to 48%. It's getting more where we had predicted the whole ring rust thing. So 59 and 64 are fighters who have at least a year out of the cage. Um, so keep that in mind here. Um, he has gone loss, win, loss, win over his last four, which I think that may be something we're going to have to pay more attention to, Dan, because we seem to always getting bit, getting bit by that when we don't follow it. Yeah, I, 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 no, I don't think we can follow that. <laughs> no, I, 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 I know, like it's scientific, like it doesn't uh, work in your. You like to actually break down styles and stuff like that, but it seems to always go the way. Lost win, lost win. It seems the guys never seem to break out of that habit. Nonetheless, plus one fifty five for Mr. Kelly. The Zohan six and two, six knockouts. All of his wins have come via knockout. He's been knocked at himself once and submitted once. So basically, he's never gone to a decision in any of his eight pro fights. Two and two in the UFC. I think he went win, loss, loss, win. I'm sorry, uh, loss, win, win, loss. Uh, he got TKO'd his last fight. He used to fight up at featherweight. He's got three inches of reach on Kelly. Seven years younger. One and a half times more active striker. Minus 195. We'll let you go. We'll go back and forth on this. We'll let you go first this time. All right. So I'm, I'm going to go with Randy Costa in this one. Um, my, my problems mostly with Tony Kelly is that while being very durable, he is very hittable. Um, we saw yeah. it in that Kai Kamaka fight. Uh, where they, they just went to war in that fight. If you've never seen Kai Kamaka versus Tony Kelly, it is one of the, like, low-key bangers that you see on a prelims that, like, I remember that fight very vividly being like, this is crazy. Um, so Tony Kelly has kind of, like, been on my radar since then, but he, like I said, he takes a lot of punishment. Randy Costa has six wins in his pro career. Do you want to take a stab at how long he spent in the cage during those wins? Well, I said all six of them were knockouts, so uh, I know his UFC fight time is four minutes and five seconds. So, yeah, it's he, um, probably not much more than that. 
It's five minutes, 42 seconds. He's spent in the go. cage. In a little victory, over a minute or a little over a round, excuse me. A little over a round for six wins. So, uh, you know, like yeah. he's got the KO power to put Tony Kelly away, despite the fact that Tony Kelly is really durable. I don't think Tony Kelly has a path to victory on the ground or anything like that. So I- I'm going with the guy who almost had Adrian Yanez out and uh, Randy Costa. I-, I think he gets it done with a knockout. Yep, cost is my pick also. Um, Kelly's never been finished, and like you said, he's durable, so I don't know if I'm going to go with the knockout uh, pick. But cost has got, got three inches of reach, which is pretty decent uh, since he's going to be looking to strike. Uh, he Nine strikes per minute. Uh, Kelly's got only got five. Kelly gets hit more than he, he dishes out. That's pretty much all you need to know, and he's fighting a guy who has reach on him. And... Um, hits like a truck. Stone cold. <laughs> oh, yes, hits like a truck. Driven by the Zohan. All right, so we're on the same page here. Let's see the next one. This is an interesting one. Uh, we got a grapple battle. Uh, dream come true for Dan. Featherweights, Ryan Hall is finally back versus Derek Minner. Ryan Hall, the wizard, a.k.a. Mr. 50-50, versus Minner does not have a nickname, so Ryan Hall should give him one of his nicknames, either the, the wizard or 50-50. It's only fair. Uh, Minner, 26-12, and 12, one knockout, 22 submissions. That is one of the most lopsided uh, – finishing lines you're ever going to see in the sport uh as for himself uh he's been knocked out three times submitted eight times so it's basically feast or famine on the uh, killer get killed on the mat for him so basically he has been finishing all of his losses except one he's two and two in the ufc he got tko'd in his last fight he used to fight up at lightweight he used to fight down at bantamweight this is right in the middle for featherweight he was a dcs champ which who knows what that is i didn't write it down and dan doesn't know right no, I don't. Not off the top of my head. <sighs> so disappointing. Uh, he's all, he's only won the Contender Series. We know what that is. Five years younger than Hall. Grappling staff in his favor. Uh, more active striker of uh, the two also. Those stats are in favor. Plus 175. Ryan Hall, the Wizard, 8-2. and two, two knockouts, three submissions. Four and one in the UFC. But his la- the, the one what came in his last fight where he got knocked out pretty badly when he was playing. I can't remember what someone called it on Slack, but they, they called it something funny what he does when he scoots around. Um he was the ultimate fighter champion. He went two and one in the house, and then due to, I guess, yeah, an injury, he, he got into the finals and won. Used to fight up at lightweight. He made his pro debut way back in 2006. Um, he's been in the UFC for what? Like, he's been in the UFC for long. I didn't write it down, but it's been a minute, as the kids say, and he's only had five fights, which is due to a lot, lot of issues uh, in his control and out of his control. People don't want to fight him. He seems to be kind of difficult. Um, taking a fight. It's been six years he's had five fights. So um, Before all this, and I guess during this, he is a grappling champion, like a top, top shelf ADCC bronze medalist, I believe. So he's a uh, he's an elite grappler. Uh, what else can I tell you? Three inches of height, one inch of reach, minus 225. Okay, I guess I have to pick first. I'm going to take a I'm going to take a, a an underdog here. I'm taking the big underdog, plus 135, Derek Minner. Um yeah, I'm worried about Hall after how badly he got blitzed and knocked out his last fight. I know Manor does get submitted a lot. Um, I think he's worth the gamble here. He's younger. He's far more active. Um, active striking plus active taking fights. Um, and hopefully he can. He doesn't get himself into into grappling battles and, and strikes with, uh, with Hall instead. Or if he is in grappling battles, he's extremely safe and doesn't get tapped out. So, I, I, first of all, was this the pick you said was going to upset me? I knew before uh, no. we were recording. Oh, shit. This no. is the one I thought you were going to say that was going to upset no. me. No. Uh, this is one of the ones I, I was. Uh, 
Yeah, I was kind of – this is one of the ones I was – I think I had a question mark beside, but I'm going with Minner. I, I, I 100% don't even have come close to having a question mark. This is one of the only ones I feel confident about because, as you said, you hope Derek Minner does not get into grappling <laughs> exchanges it. with you Ryan Hall. Me. You said you hope he doesn't get into a grappling exchange with Ryan Hall. And then you noted he likes to get in grappling <laughs> That's what he does. It's literally – he has so much confidence in his grappling – and he's going up against a dude who is uh, – he's a transcendence in, in grappling. He's, like, one of the great yes. grapplers of all time. Like, he's a – they call him 50-50 because there's a position in jiu-jitsu named after him. That's how good he is. Dude, he's going to submit Derek Minner. It's, it's like a foregone conclusion. It's already over. Ryan Hall submits Derek Minner in this fight. Uh, I, I don't know how to break it down other than to say exactly what you said in picking him. He likes to grapple, and in addition to liking to grapple, uh, he he will grapple with with Ryan Hall, and you don't want him to. <laughs> Ryan Hall got knocked out really bad last fight, and he's thirty six, and he barely ever fights. That's that's things in my favor. All right, so so let's let's and Minner uh, is sixty percent striking accuracy, sixty percent striking accuracy. And and just for the, the record, ground, but... just for the record here, yeah. How how many how many knockouts does Derek Minner have in his thirty eight? One. Make it two. Two after Saturday. Uh, so no, no. So he does he does have according to the record I'm looking at. Derek Minner has three knockouts in his. Oh career. really? Okay. Yeah, but uh, like, when was the last one? Like, <laughs> no. All right. So hang on. I'm still I'm scrolling on his Wikipedia page. I just know how to pick fights, uh, Dan. All right. He that, last knocked somebody out in September of 2013. He, his name is Robert Clarity. It was used to. <laughs> yes. He's yeah, a better he's, grappler. Look at the stats. He's a better grappler than Ryan dude, Hall. If you, okay. if you watch a fight and you think Derek Minner is a better grappler than Ryan Hall, then there's really nothing more than I have to say here. <laughs> I'm also going to let, let the he, record show that he, I – when he gets his leg ripped off, I'm going to clip oh the, the part of this show where you said Derek Minner is a better grappler. I said statistically. Gonna, I'm just going – you didn't say it when I when, – the part I'm going to clip is not going to say that. But of course not. I'm just going to put that over an image of him getting his leg ripped off repeatedly. Oh, will there be uh, blood spewing everywhere? Yeah, he, it might rip like that. Like Ryan Hall right. has the ability to rip his body, whole body apart. And will you save it on your phone? If, if he rips his leg off? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I saved the uh, knee bar for last week. I got it right now. Uh, all right. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not super confident, but I'm confident enough because I have a track record, Dan. You don't, okay? I mean, you in don't. two weeks, in two weeks, we might, <laughs> two weeks to, we'll see. might not be able to say that. <laughs> you know you know who has a good track record, Dan? Can you tell us this is a segue? I can't. It's a segue. <laughs> in the win bet. They have a great track record for for uh, ready to win money and boost your odds. That's what they have a track record in. Uh, WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. So I guess Dan and I have to move because we are not located in any of those places. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. WinBet has some brand new bonuses. They're not really brand new. We've been telling you about it for a few weeks now. But new users can bet a dollar and win 100 in any sport. Plus, you can get up to a first deposit of $20 or more. Whatever your first wager is, WinBet will match it 200%. For example, you bet $100, you'll get a $200 free bet. Max wager is $750. They will match it $1,500. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds in every major sport, we have what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. 
Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. And Dan, you gave Chicago, you said Chicago over the Nuggets, right? I think the other day, which came through. Said, yeah, said somebody. yeah Chicago, Chicago over the Nuggets, yep. for sure. Okay. What are you picking now? Uh, I'm going to take the Grizzlies money line on on Thursday. Uh, they're playing, playing the, well. They're playing the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, they're on fire right now and at home against the Lakers. And I'm seeing Lakers as three-point favorites, so you're going to get plus money on the Grizzlies on the turnaround. All right. that I don't know if I like that more than my Derek Minner pick, but all right. <laughs> so be it. How, how surprised are you going to be if Derek Minner wins? Uh, if How he, sure are you of this? If for some reason he goes in with a game plan where he's terrified of grappling and runs away and wins like the weirdest decision ever, I will be surprised, but like be like, okay, at least he went in with a good game plan. If he went in and out grappled Ryan Hall, I'd probably literally shit on my couch. <laughs> oh, so we're going to get video or photos at least, right? <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, All right. And, and plus Ryan Hall is not going to lose. In a grappling match, just a okay. minute. We'll see. This is MMA, Dan. It's not just grappling. All right, we're going to the aforementioned guy coming off a, a title defense. Usually you don't see them on prelims unless they piss off management, but I guess he's a flyweight, so maybe that explains it. That would be Alex Perez in a flyweight fight against Matt Schnell, or also he's known as Matthew, what's his middle name? I've seen his whole name written for some reason. Ga- uh, Matt like Danger he, Schnell, right? Matthew Christopher Schnell. I don't know if he, like, insists. I'm going by his full name or what, but yes, he's Dangerous Schnell, and Perez does not have a nickname. Um, Dangerous Schnell will break down first. 15 to 6, two knockouts, eight submissions. He's been knocked out three times himself, so three of, half of his losses will come to a knockout, according to my math. 5 and 4 in the UFC. He's gone loss, win, loss over his last three fights. 1 and 1 on the Ultimate Fighter. He used to fight at flyweight, uh, featherweight, is that right? He was up two weight classes, or did I put that? No, 135. Bantamweight, excuse me. Um, what else can I tell you? He has got two inches of height on Perez, five inches of reach, so he has quite a size advantage. Plus 240. Alex Perez, 24 and 6, five knockouts, seven submissions. He's been subbed himself four times in his career, so that's something of note. Schnell's subbed eight of his 15 wins have come via sub, and Perez's four of his six losses have come via sub. Uh, he's 6 and 2 in the UFC. He's won three of his last four fights. His last fight was a loss in a title fight. That was way back in November of 2020. Uh, he has had trouble missing weight in the past. He also used to fight up a weight class at Bantamweight. He also, not also, but he was on the Contender Series where he went 1-0. He was a TPF champ, whatever that is. Oh, wait, I know that one. Tachi. Tachi Palace fights, which is... Yeah. Yeah. Which used to be the, the place flyweights for flyweights. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a big deal being the champ there. Um, made his debut a decade ago, 2011. He's two years younger than Schnell, despite being around for over a decade. Uh, striking and active striking stats in his favor. Grappling stats in his favor. The odds in his favor, uh, minus 325. Your turn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Perez here. Um, the, the thing about Schnell is that, like, he, he is really good at submissions, like you mentioned. You know, we, we got an, an issue here where we got a guy yeah. who's been submitted a couple of times against a guy who's got him. But really, Schnell is not the one to initiate it ever. Um, Schnell doesn't shoot a lot of takedowns. Uh, a lot of his submissions come off of his back. Um, I both think Perez is good enough to stay out of those submissions if he does want to wrestle. And if he chooses to strike, I, I think this is probably just a three-round striking fight that Perez wins. Um, with that being said, it, it kind of falls in the same thing as the Jillian Robertson issue for me is that, like, 
if he does decide to go with a really grapple heavy approach, does he risk getting caught? Um, you know, the people who've caught him are, are really high quality opponents, you know, Davidson Figueredo being the last one. Um, so I think he stays safe here. I think he probably outpoints him on the feet, but yeah, I'm going to go with Alex Perez. As am I, Alex Perez is, is the pick. Everything basically is in his favor. Other, like Dan said, the submission thing is a bit of an issue, but I think Perez is uh, good enough and a strong enough grappler. That, that's not going to happen. Uh, if Ryan Hall fought both those guys at the same time, would you submit both of them, Dan? Uh, not at the same time. I do like Alex no, okay. Perez. I, I, won't, I won't hate on Alex <laughs> Perez that way. All right. He would submit All right, him. Here's now. a fight. <laughs> yeah, of course. All right. So he, should, he could go over to that uh, European promotion and fight two or three people at once then. Um, all right, I think we're we're gonna fight here. We already actually did have a disagreement on this uh, before. This is one of our one of our spats in previous episodes. Women's flyweight Aaron Blanchfield, who Dan is completely smitten as as a fighter as a fighter against Miranda Maverick, who I thought you were. I guess you are a fan of, but just not as much as Aaron Blanchfield. So Aaron Blanchfield is cold blooded. Is that a new nickname? I don't remember seeing that before. No, that's existed since she was like nineteen. She's been cold blooded for that long. Yeah. Man, rough. Uh, against she's gonna fear, a, though. She's gonna, she's gonna need a sweater. Oh, Dan's taking over my role, so I guess I have to give up bad picks now. If you're gonna do the humor, you've Just been doing that roll. for two weeks, so I figured switch I'd take it. over oh. your role now. <laughs> no, mediocre picks, not bad picks. Mediocre. Uh, there's a difference. So she's fighting Miranda Fear of the Maverick. All right. Um, this is one I'm looking forward to seeing. Blanchfield seven and one, two knockouts, one submission. Never been finished in a fight. One and zero in the UFC. She's won four straight fights. She was also in Invicta, where she went 4-1. and one. She is, as Dan will tell you, a, a grappling champion since she was knee-high to a grasshopper or something, whatever the expression is. I think that's what it is, isn't it? I think it is knee-high to a grasshopper. Sure. Something like that. Sure. Sure, it is now. She's an inch taller, inch reach, two, two years younger than Maverick, one and a half times more active striker and better grappling stats, but that's based off of one fight for her in the UFC. As for uh, Miranda Maverick, she just lost to Dan's favorite fighter, Macy Barber, in a very clear loss. She did not look good there and lost very, obviously, three rounds to none to Barber, right? It was not a loss. She didn't lose to Macy Barber. <laughs> just imagine, she got half of her money. and We're upset about it. Imagine how she feels. Yeah, um, that's such a, it's such a con. <laughs> it is. Uh, she's 9-3. and three. Really, she's 10-2. and two. Uh, One knockout, five submissions. Never been finished in a fight. Two and one in the UFC. She lost her last fight. Sure, she did. She was six and two in Invicta, including uh, not including six and two in Invicta plus two and zero oh in one of their tournaments that she ended up winning. So really, she's eight and two in Invicta. If you ask me, we're we're really padding her record now. We've we've given her three extra wins here. Um, minus one forty. I am going with Miranda Maverick. Um, I think she's going to be um, enough of a test for Blanchfield. Too physically strong for Blanchfield. So I am taking her. I think she's she's good everywhere and. Um, Blanchfield's not going to submit her, Dan. Like, you're going to try to tell me that she's going to. Yeah, like, so, I will so, say this. This is the this is the closest fight on the card. Um, undoubtedly for me, this is the closest fight on the card. Because you're right. I do not only really love uh, Aaron Blanchfield, but I also really love watching Marina Maverick. I, I'm a big fan of hers. I've interviewed her a couple of times. She's both a super nice person and yep. a really great grappler. The problem yeah. is for me is that in this fight, I'm not sure she is going to try to grapple. Um, I She just strikes me as over the last couple of fights, she's really gotten into uh, trying to show off that her striking is good, especially if she's up against a grappler. Like she did that against 
uh, Leanna Jojua, and eventually got the stoppage by cut, and she's she's quite good on the feet, and I actually even think she has an advantage on the feet. But if she decides to just sit there and strike nonstop with um, with Aaron Blanchfield, I think she's going to open herself up to takedowns, um, which which sort of is my worry here for her. And I think if she does shoot a whole bunch of takedowns, why well, I think she is a very good grappler, I do also worry about her being swept and getting tired because against Marit or against Macy Barber, it's not that she she lost that fight. She fucking didn't lose that fight. I will die uh, on that sword anytime. Uh, but also, like late in the fight, it did look like Barbara was fresher and Barbara was putting it on her a little bit. So, well, Barbara's I, a phenom, Dan. She's the future. She's, she's, she's a future Barbara, future hairstylist. She, she's a future hairstylist. Um, I think I saw she was supposed to be in a fight soon, and and I hope she gets blasted. Um, with that being said, I, I think Aaron Blanchfield has the ability to go deeper into this fight than Miranda Maverick does. I like her grappling skills. I like her jujitsu. I do think she can get like a late submission if Miranda Maverick gets tired, and if not, I think she can steal enough late round. So this will officially be our second uh, difference. I'm going to take Aaron. Yes, seventy percent takedown defense for Maverick. Hopefully, it holds up. Um, I like both of them though. So I like, I wish they wouldn't keep doing this, but this is the UFC's way. Oh, actually, this was, this was a, uh, as Dan mentioned earlier, this was, they took a, a roundabout way to say, to, to put it lightly to, to get to this fight, but they do have a habit of putting young female fighters against one another, which, uh, it's not cool, man. We want to see everyone succeed and get all the old, all the old heads out. All right. Main event. This is just the early prelims, everybody. Main event of the early prelims. Andre Muniz versus Eric Yaboy Anders. Um, so we got Yaboy, obviously. Uh, Muniz is Sergi Pano. What is that? Oh, actually, I did look it up. It's a, it's part. I think it's a region in Brazil. Does that sound right, Dan? Yeah, that make that makes sense. A lot of guys yeah. whose nicknames are, are just like right around where they live too. Yeah. Yeah. So what will we call you, Dan? Oh yeah, Massachusetts Mountain Man. That's what we're yeah. calling you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Son of Ichabod, the Bear Whisper. Son of Ichabod, the Bear Whisper, aka Yeah Boy. But that one's taken. We can't call you Yeah Boy. Did you ever ask him? No. Uh, Eric Anders is on the Top Turtle podcast this week. He's been on before, right? He has been has on before, not? and I have yeah. talked to him about where he got the nickname Yeah Boy. Was it's, it football? They, no, they literally, he, literally, his friends made fun of him for just uh, constantly that being his favorite expression. Um, oh, okay, and the yeah. example he g- gave was, "Can your boy get five dollars?" <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, I my um, oldest son is the Obama obsessive. He's um, special needs, so he does get obsessed on things. But he's been an Obama obsessive for quite a while, so he watches all like YouTube videos of Obama with sports teams. And he's been watching the Alabama football championship one from years ago. And I just noticed, yeah, boy, is a couple rows back with a big smile on his face because he was on that team. Yeah, he had a he had a sack fumble in the championship game too. Yeah, I think he I think he started for Alabama in what 2012 or something. We don't we're not college football guys, but. And, you know, he's, he's at the White House with a big smile on his face and big – He's not, I wouldn't say an afro, but he's got big, like, bigger hair than he has now. So, anyhow, that's your boy. Let's, let's break her down. He's 14-5-1 with one no contest, eight knockouts, one submission, six and five with one no contest in the UFC. His last three fights, he's gone one win, one loss, one no contest. Um, he used to fight up at light heavyweight. He kind of bounces back and forth light heavyweight and, and middleweight. He was the LFA champ. We know LFA. Uh, we respect the LFA. He was one and on Bellator. Like I said, he was a football player. I 
believe he was a starting linebacker on the championship team in Alabama. And then he was on, I think, a couple practice squads up here in Canada. Um, he's the more active striker of the two men. He's at plus 112. Sergi Pano, 21-4, four knockouts, 14 submissions. He's been knocked out himself four times. So that is the path to victory against him. The only way he's lost is via knockout. Um, and yeah, boy, can actually crack. So we'll see. He is 3-0 in the UFC. His last two wins via submission. His last win... Is his last win on your phone, Dan? Probably not, because you like, you like the man whose arm that he, he ripped out of his socket and snapped in half. Yeah, it was re- it's, it's really hard to watch that for me uh, as, a, bro- as a Jacare yeah. guy. He broke Jacare's arm very badly, but I guess that's what you grapplers are into that, right? You're into getting your limbs broken because it's a pride thing, right? I have never so – I have, I have, we'll, we'll peel back the curtain a little bit here. I have one grappling injury in the – let's see, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for – a little over 11 years. Um, so I, I've been, I've had one injury. Uh, one guy was trying to pass my guard and in, into uh, side control or half guard. And I, I just put my hand up and he rolled over my pinky finger and dislocated the very last knuckle on my pinky. And that's it. That's the only injury I've ever had. But it, uh, that last knuckle on my pinky was sticking straight up and down like a right angle. Nice. I, I got injured worse playing basketball, which is supposed to be a, a wussy sport. So go figure. <laughs> I guess I guess you're quick to tap out then, right, Dan? Um, I mean, I I think uh, there's a difference <laughs> between being quick to tap out and also uh, understanding that uh, dying on your sword in a regional grappling match is probably not the best way to go. <laughs> but he will he will die on his sword uh, that Miranda Maverick. Uh, did not lose to Macy Barber, right? It's the second time I've died on my sword today. You have. <laughs> the proverbial gun has not been brought out yet. We'll have to see if that's coming up soon. Um, all right. I was telling you about Munez. Right. Yeah. Three straight wins. Last two via submission. The last one via arm-breaking submission um, against the grappling legend. Um, it, is Ryan Hall going to uh, snap Andre Munez's arm in the MMA fight too, Dan? He's going to go up two weight classes and destroy him too. I think that would be three weight classes, wouldn't it? No, oh yeah, featherweight. That's right. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'd go up three weight class. There, probably not. But you. if you, but if you said that they were going to be in just like a pure grappling match, like a yeah. super fight grab, I might take Ryan Hall. Who, who are your bigger stand for, Ryan Hall or um, Aaron Blanchfield? Um, I have higher hopes for Aaron Blanchfield's career because of her yeah, age. She's like. Then she could be Ryan Hall's daughter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but I, I will say I, I won't ever miss a Ryan Hall fight. Um, okay. If I'm at a wedding, I'll turn it on on my phone, and I'll just mysteriously have to take a 15-minute dump. Is that, that's not really mysterious for you. People know. Like, you're, you're one of those people that, like, those ads for mysterious drugs on TV are for. You're one of those people that uh, disappear. Maybe that, you, be, maybe that could be the alternative name of this episode, the 15-minute dump. <laughs> dump. That's If this episode was only 15 minutes, it would be called a 15-minute dump. But we go on for hour. Hour 15 minutes is even short for us nowadays. So uh, Dan also does not like people. So if he is at a wedding, he's going to be watching anything on his phone. He, he'd be watching um, executions on his phone if he had to. So I am typing right now 15-minute dump so I don't forget. There we go, Dan. <laughs> Uh, all this, and we I haven't gotten through Andre Muniz's uh, resume yet. Um, he's won seven straight fights. He was the Batetti Combat Champ. Do you know that league, Dan? I I don't know. My God, I thought you watched everything. He also has fought at lightweight, at light heavyweight. Excuse me, lightweight would be that would be uh, getting limbs ripped off to make lightweight for him. Uh, 
light heavyweight. He made his debut in 2009, yet he's three years younger than Ya Boy. He's got three inches of reach on him also. Grappling stats in his favor, minus 140. It's your turn to go first. I'm going to take Muniz. Um, this yeah, is another yeah. one that, yeah. I, this after is after that I, performance. I, yeah, well, part of that, but also, like, so I, I don't believe that Eric Anders can consistently fend off takedowns. I mean, when we did our right. little prize picks uh, play at the beginning of the show, you know, I said I got Audrey Muniz with more than one takedown. Um, I, I believe he'll get at least right. two. And eventually, like, I think he's going to get a position to sub Eric Anders. Eric Anders' hope really is while it's standing to knock him out. And, and while Eric Anders does have knockout power, I mean, like, he just kind of struggled with with uh, Darren Stewart his last time doing that. He wasn't able to really come close to tagging Christoph Jocko. Gerald Mearshart, who doesn't have the best chin in the world, uh, went three rounds with him. You know, he knocked out Vinicius Morea, but, like, I mean, like that. Everybody and their cousin was knocking out Vinicius Morea at the time, so he doesn't have crazy knockout power. So in that way, I have to go with Andre Muniz here. I think he gets him down enough uh, to win a decision if it came to it. Um, but also, I, I in general think he he's going to get a submission here. Anders is a, a surprisingly good grappler, though. Uh, I, I think of him too as more of a, a striker. But seventy six percent takedown defense. He lands uh, about a takedown and a half. Uh, uh, a fight, so he's not a horrible grappler, but yeah, I'm counting on Muniz to get him down. He may not only need to get him down once, and that could be the end of the fight. So, um, so we're going to agree on that one. We're not going to argue about that one. And that just is the early prelims. Like I said uh, off the top, that's a pretty solid fight card right there. All right, prop swap. Let's tell you about prop swap. We're here brought to you by prop swap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. If you're not using prop swap, then you're missing out. And we all have. FOMO, do we not? ProSwap is America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. You can find the best odds in the country because you're buying directly from other bettors. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and ProSwap will double it up to 500 bucks. Double the cash means double the odds. If you love sports betting, you need to be using ProSwap. Sellers across the country list their sports bets for sale and thousands of buyers visit ProSwap every day to find the best odds and futures, props, and parlays. The average ProSwapper makes $500 a month just buying and selling sports bets on ProSwap. ProSwap app is ProSwap is where so go on the, get the ProSwap app because ProSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets as I butcher the end. Also brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free to play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the matchups. You can cash out for gift cards when your bet's hit and even help raise money for charity along the way. They're a brand new company looking to grow their early adopter community. They got a slick app that's fun to use. One of the reasons we do love using them is if. Uh, if your state does not offer legalized gambling yet, they have prop betting, so you can get in some prop bets over in Better Fantasy. Plus, they just added a cool bonus. If you get your entire league to join Better Fantasy, they'll give the league a $150 gift card to get a sick-ass trophy from trophysmack.com. They're totally free to play. Download it today at on iPhone or Android. You can check them out, betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, fantasy.com slash SGPN. I am so slick on these ads today. Oh, my God. I'm not butchering or stumbling over anything, Dan. I'm pretty smooth. You're always smooth. It's probably yeah, the Derek so Benner smooth. pick that's got you off, though. Yeah, I am. I'm a little shook after that. It's true. Plus, I have 15-minute dump written right in front of my face. <laughs> very, very distracted. That could be Dan's new nickname, the 15-minute dump. That's actually not that long of a dump, really. Um, I have a question. Uh, going back to earlier, do your, do your kids watch Justin Trudeau speeches on YouTube? 
just they, since we, my, they, my kid they, watches they, Obama? They, they don't. They, they, well, don't they, know, they don't know who Justin Trudeau is. Very least, they should. Very, very least. Well, I guess he, he's watching Obama, so that's like two. So you'd have, you'd have to go back to prime ministers, and I should probably know who that is, but I know more about American politics. So, anyhow, um, oh, here we go. Middleweights. Here's another guy Dan's a stand for. He is a stand for Jordan Wright. He's fighting Bruno Silva. Um, yeah, Jordan Wright is the person I was mentioning before. Um, Dan has a unreasonable. Um, maybe it's not unreasonable. Why do you why do you hate Jordan Wright so much? And do you hate him more than Macy Barber? Maybe hate's a strong word, but do you dislike him as a fighter more than Macy Barber? So I so first of all, I I don't dislike Jordan Wright. Let let's get that straight first. I dislike Macy Barber. Her in an interview <laughs> makes me want to drive a screwdriver right through both my eardrums and just not hear anything ever again uh, because I find her extremely annoying and incredibly overrated. Jordan Wright, I just feel he is incredibly overrated. (laughs) Um, I don't don't feel any of that other uh, intense hatred towards him. I just think I don't know why people pick him to win. And, And I've been wrong a couple of times on him because I assume he'll get beat by everybody. And he does actually have a small amount of striking skills. But, like, we're talking about him being 12-1 and one right now in his very, 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 very best win. And it's not even close. His best win is over Jamie Pickett, who notoriously took three kicks at the can on the Contender Series before he eventually got a contract. He lost to Charles Bird, Punahele Soriano, and he got his contract by beating Jonathan Pati, who, by the way, right now is 6-6. Six and six. And that is his absolute best win Jordan Wright's best win is Jamie Pickett I I don't think he's good uh he he beats up cans and has his whole career so uh, to to answer your question I hate Maisie Barber way more but because I don't actually hate Jordan Wright I just think he's wildly overrated see that's why I have Dan on here as the co-host it's not just because he's cheap he works for cheap but also because in uh, in badmouthing Jordan Wright, he also crapped on three other fighters um, in, in that whole spiel who who totally took um, um, random shrapnel for for no reason. They had nothing to do with this. Macy Barber got crapped on, Jamie Pickett got crapped on, and then Jonathan, Jonathan Potty. Yeah, Jonathan just, Jonathan Potty just lost a uh, a fight to oh oh that's who ugly man that's who ugly man Joe oh, beat on the regional team is. to get to get his uh, UFC contract. So ugly man oh, Joe. I know who ugly man Joe is. Yeah, he just he just right. he just knocked out Jonathan Potty too. So we might as well you know install him as a favorite in every fight forever. Uh, but is he a Beverly Hills ninja though? Like Jordan Wright is. Does that is, does that add is, to the hatred? He is not. not but he is an dislike? ugly. He is an ugly man. <laughs> does does Beverly does the nickname uh, add to your dislike of Jordan Wright? No, I like bad nicknames. I'm a huge. Right. I'm, I'm a connoisseur of bad nicknames. <laughs> well, yeah, like Gumby, for instance. Yeah, no, like That's uh, a good one. Like the Filipino wrecking machine. Yeah. <laughs> How about Blindado Silva? That's a good one, right? I have no idea what that means. It means armored. It's, it's a good nickname. Sure, that's a good one. Yeah, because he kind of looks like he's armored. He's he's a a strong dude. He reminds me of Dan. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, Dan spent a lot of time in the weight room. Everyone should know that. All right, let's go with uh, Jordan Wright, Beverly Hills Ninja. Yeah, Dan says he he sometimes wins fights. He's twelve and one <laughs> with one no contest as a pro. All of his wins are via finish. Also, seven knockouts and five submissions. Yet Dan says he's crap because he beat Jonathan Potty, whoever that is. He is two and one in the UFC. He's gonna win, loss, win. So we know what's coming up for him. 
he won via TKO his last fight. He got a no contest in the contender series. Was that a I can't remember the details behind that. He got knocked silly by Anthony Hernandez. And then, um, Hernandez and then Anthony Hernandez smoked pot I think, or something, right? I think he smoked pot, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, this is another aside, but I was thinking this the other day. It, there's hardly any drug uh, failures anymore, like there was in the in the olden days when USADA first came in. Have you noticed I that, just, too? I, I just saw a stat that was released. I believe it's been 13 this year, um, which is way down from, like, yeah. two or three years ago. Um, so, obviously... Yeah. Fighters have found new ways to cheat that um, USADA hasn't caught up to yet, is what I'm guessing. Uh, it's, not, it's, possible. it's possible. Oh, everyone everyone who cheated is like, oh, I guess they better not cheat anymore. It was wrong. No, but, but like, <laughs> I mean, like, do you, do you still believe baseball is still in the rampant steroid era? Like, no, it, I know. It's true. It's clearly waning. Um, and, yeah, yeah some, some people are probably smarter, but it's also probably waning, too. Yes. And now it's going to be even less now that marijuana is not uh, going to get you suspended. So, anyhow, that's how he got his no contest. He used to fight at light heavyweight. He's got two inches of height on Silva, three inches of reach, two years younger, striking and active striking stats in his favor, grappling stats in his favor, plus 280. Are we going to go against the stats? Let's see. Um, Lindado, armored, Silva. He's the bigger of the two Bruno Silvas in the UFC. The other one is a flyweight. Um, this one is armored and at middleweight. He's 21 and 6. 18 knockouts. He's been subbed five times in his career, survival of his six losses via submission. He's 2-0 in the, in the UFC, both via a form of knockout or TKO. Actually, all the past six of his fights are all wins, and they're all via TKO or KO. Uh, he was 0-1 in the Ultimate Fighter. He was the M1 at champ, uh, minus 375. Silva is the obvious pick here, not because we hate, well, not because Dan dislikes Jordan Wright, but Silva has got some scary power. Yeah, not only does he have some scary power, you mentioned he's knocked six guys out in a row. Mm-hmm. I would say all six are better than anybody that Jordan Wright has ever knocked out. Better than uh, John, uh, than that Potty guy? So No, Jamie Pickett beat Jonathan Potty. Remember, we're, we're, <laughs> oh, we're, right, shitting, yes, yes, we're yes. shitting on layers of fighters here. Yes, it's yeah, true. Better, better than Jamie Pickett, yes, 100%. <laughs> the worst guy on that is better than Jamie Pickett. Dude, his, those knockouts include former Bellator champ Alexander Shlomenko, um, yep. who he absolutely flatlined. It includes undefeated Artem Froloff, not to be confused with Artem Lobov. Um, but, like, and I know that people are going to choke because it's Artem Froloff and it really sounds like Artem Lobov. But he's, like, a very legit prospect as well, or at least was. He's he's dropped a couple lately. But, dude, like, Bruno Silva has got crazy knockout power. And not only does he have crazy knockout power, um, but he, he does have a knack for, like, getting into, like, gritty, up-close fights, which I think just... It would be a, a really terrible nightmare for Jordan Wright, who likes to strike from distance and do weird spinny shit that sometimes works. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he gets knocked out here by Bruno Silva violently. There we go. And that, would that make your night or what, Dan? I mean, like, beating you would make my night. But, uh, but <laughs> yeah, that, happen, also, so you'll that, also would, that also would make my night. All right, how about some chunky guy? A chunky guy battle coming up next. I love, I love this will make your day. Guys. <laughs> and this is not just a chunky battle. This is a pick'em chunky battle. As of as of yesterday, when I did the write up here. All right, we got Augusto Sakai versus Tai Tuivasa. Tuivasa is Bam Bam. He's got a newer nickname now. It's Shuivasa. Did you know about that? I I saw that. It was a Australian likes. newspaper called him that or something. Yes, because he likes to do that gross thing where he drinks out of people's shoes. So, um, all right. Let's break down Sakai first. 15-3-1, 11 knockouts. He's been knocked out himself twice. 
He's 4-2 in the UFC. He lost his last two fights, um, and they both were via TKO. He was 1-0 in the Contender Series. He was in Bellator, where he went 4-1-1. Made his debut a decade ago, 2011. He's got an inch of height on Tuivasa, two inches of reach. He's a more active striker, and he's got better grappling stats, minus 112. Bam Bam, Shui, Vasa, 12-3, 11 knockouts as well. 6-3 in the UFC. He's won three straight fights, all via a form of knockout or TKO. He was the AFC champ over in Australia. I think it's Australia Fighting Championship, I believe, is what it stands for. He was 5-2 as a pro boxer. He also was a pro kickboxer. Two years younger than Sakai. Striking stats in his favor, minus 112. Dan's turn. Uh, I'm going to go with Bam Bam. Uh, I, I mean, like, if, if we're just going to keep this one really simple and go by trend, uh, Bam Bam uh, is coming off of back-to-back knockout wins. Back-to-back-to-back knockout wins. And he's fighting a guy who's had his head rattled a couple of times in a row. Yep. Uh, I, I think Bam Bam just counters him just once, and that's really all it takes. Um, you know, I mentioned it in my, my prize picks uh, thing before. I think he hits under 26 strikes, and I think uh, one of those strikes turns the lights off on, on Augusto Sakai because, hey, while Augusto Sakai looked good early in his career, he was fighting a lot of guys who couldn't knock him out. And now a couple of guys who could did, and I think that's just going to keep rolling. Yeah, Tuivasa is my pick as well um, for basically the same reasons. He's He's been looking real good as of late. Um, after kind of getting cut, he sort of kind of got cut, I think. I don't know if we officially got cut, but, um, yeah, he's he's been on a tear since then. And, yeah, I'm liking him. Very possibly a knockout uh, prop here as well for that. All right, moving on. Dominic Cruz is on the prelims. That's how stacked this card is. Bantamweights, Dominic Cruz versus Pedro Munoz. Uh, Cruz is the dominator. Munoz is the young punisher, despite being he's something like 35 or 6 right now. So may want to drop the young part. Um, this one is almost a pick em fight as well. Uh, we, we got a couple close ones on the on the SCAD back-to-back here. All right, we'll go with Cruz first. He's 23-3, and three, seven knockouts, one submission, 6-2 and two in the UFC, which is crazy because the UFC's had eight fights, sadly. Uh, he's got one and two over his last three, but his last fight was a win. He was UFC champion twice. He also was a WEC champion, WEC Never Die, maybe my favorite league of all time, where he went 7-1 there. He used to fight up at, um, up what, two-weight classes? Featherweight, yeah, featherweight and lightweight he used to fight at. He was a total combat champ also, not one of my favorite uh, promotions because I had never heard of it. Made his official pro debut 2005, and like I said, UFC debut 2011. Two inches of height on Munoz, three inches of reach. Grappling stats in his favor, minus 110. He is a slight underdog here. Uh, Munoz, 19-6, one no contest, five knockouts, eight submissions. Never been finished in a fight. 9-6 with one no contest in the UFC. He's won one of his last four fights. His last fight was a loss. He was the RFA champ. He made his debut in 2009. He's a year younger than Cruz. One and a half times more active striker, minus 115. My turn first, I think, right? I am going with... Like, it's a tough one, obviously, because of the, the odds um, show that it is a, a tough fight to pick. But I'm going to go with uh, Cruz. I think he's uh, savvy enough to get it done. I'm not huge on uh, Pedro Munoz as a fighter anymore. One win over his last four, I think he's pretty much done for. Yeah, but, okay, so I, I'm going to differ with you on this one. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm going to take a little bit of a let, – let's, let's use the word umbrage. I'm going to take a little umbrage with saying – uh, that he's one in four or one in three in his last four, and that being a reason to write him off. All three of those losses are to champion. Who did he fight? <laughs> Every one is a champion. Yeah, know, Every single one of them is a champion. So, like, he is fought. Jose Aldo, Frankie yeah. Edgar, they're both old guys. Aljamain Sterling, 
Harley a champion. There Dude, you do you do you really want to write off Jose Aldo after what yes. he did to your <laughs> yeah. boy Rob Font last old. week? Your boy. And not only did did Pedro Munoz hang in there for 15 minutes with Jose Aldo, he looked a lot better than Rob Font did. He looked a lot better than Rob Font did uh, in his his three rounds with Jose Aldo. Now, granted, that could be because it's not a five round fight, but he looked better than Rob Font did in a fight with a guy who looks like he's killing everybody. Dominic Cruz, meanwhile, took a split decision over Casey Kenny. I, yeah. I think his like footwork and what he does, kind of with that, you know, the funky shit that that made him who yeah. he was. I think it's just too slow now. I think that that style works for him and it worked well for him for so long. But at a certain point, like when you start to slow down, that stops working. Right. And and I think we're almost to that point now. Casey Kenny couldn't capitalize enough, but I think Pedro Munoz is quite a step up from Casey Kenny. I'll also say this. If Dominic Cruz stupidly shoots a takedown, Pedro Munoz has got that guillotine. Also wouldn't be surprised to see him get that. Yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, Will you agree it's a tough one to Yeah, this, uh, to this pick? was a really yeah. hard fight for me to pick. This, this is right up there. So I'm not a fool for taking Dominic Cruz. No, I, I would say I, <laughs> you are you are not one-tenth of the fool you were for your Derek Minner pick. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say this is up there with, like, the Blanchfield Maverick pick for me as being one of yeah. the very hardest on the card. Um, there, there's one a little bit later, too, that we're going to talk about that, that was very difficult for me to choose. Um, but yeah, like, I, I just think Pedro Munoz is going to be able to tag him enough because I don't think he moves quite fast enough, but Hey, uh, you know, like it, it could be again, one of those things that I see, you know, five minutes of the fight and I'm like, well, that pick was wrong immediately. So, um, I think Munoz is, is quick enough to catch him though. Yeah. Um, it, it, who's to say like, uh, like I said, it's a tough one to pick, which, brings us to the fight which i'm having the most trouble picking dan this one i don't think you do you have trouble picking this one i know who your pick is but did you have trouble picking it not not at all <laughs> oh good i feel better than that i am uh i may maybe going against you featherweight josh emmett is back versus dan Ege. do you know that emmett's nickname's the fighting falmer did you know that i i i did know that. I, I did not know that i've heard he's the no. danimal before in 50k <laughs> danimal's you no i'm sorry not uh emmett emmett's the fighting falmer i'm excuse me if i said Ige. Josh oh. Emmett, the fighting farmer. I don't. I think it's some comic book. It's some thing that I'm not into. So I don't ne- know. Never, never heard of that. No, but yeah, Ige's 50k. And what was his nickname before the Danimal? Which obviously he should have got. The Danimal. Yeah, yeah. I, I prefer the Danimal. All right, Ige, 15 four, four knockouts, five submissions. Never been finished in a fight. Seven and three in the UFC. He's gone loss, win, loss. Dan, hear the pattern? He lost his last fight. Uh, one no in the contender series. He's got an inch of re, uh, inch of height. On Emmett, into reach, six years younger, plus 145. Uh, Josh Emmett is back, 16 and 2. He's uh, last fight, actually, sorry, I said he's back. Last fight was June of 2020. He's had a lot of health issues. Uh, he's 16 and 2, six knockouts, two submissions, seven and two in the UFC. He's won three straight and five of six, but he has been out of action for over a year, a year and a half now. He's had issues missing weight in the past. He's fought up at lightweight. He's the IC, ISCF champ, which Dan knows a lot about, and the WCFC champ. Another favorite of yours. Uh, more active striker, minus 185. Like I said, I'm waffling. I'm going to go underdog here against Dan's judgment. Um, I'm worried about Emmett's age. He's very old for, even though he's not that, but he's only a year younger than uh, Ega. I just, it's more, he's taken a lot of damage. He's been out a long time. He's been injured often. He's basically fights like a heavyweight at 
at uh, featherweight. It's basically all power, not a whole lot of volume. And Ige's never been finished extremely durable. He's been in there against a lot of hard hitters himself and has not been put away. So I think Ige's worth a roll of the dice as an underdog, and Dan's going to tell you why I am horribly wrong. No, so I I don't think you're horribly wrong. I I think there is a good chance the Ige can, can surprise here. I, I didn't have trouble picking this one because I, I did think Josh Emmett is a, a clear pick, but at the same time, like, it's one of those clear picks, like the Jillian Robertson pick, where there is a clear problem, right? Is that, like, Josh Emmett has been away for 18 months with some pretty gruesome injuries. You can hear him talk a couple about those on the Top Turn on MMA podcast this week. Um, but you cheap also... Plug. Yeah, there's a, a cheap plug. Um, but, like, also, like, when he was healthy, if we're talking about healthy Josh Emmett, I, I think he beats the snot out of, of Danny Gay because... Yes, Danny Gay has been in there with guys with better power, maybe, and maybe more nuanced on the feet. But, like, Josh Emmett is up there with having some of the best power in the featherweight division. In addition to that, Danny Gay has never beat anybody he couldn't out-wrestle. Um, like, e- even if you count that Edson Barboza fight, which I, I really I – I scored that fight for Barboza – he relied heavily on out-positioning and out-wrestling people to win rounds. And Josh Emmett has got a wrestling background. It is damn near impossible to grapple again. So I really think he's going to be forced to stand and trade with Josh Emmett. I don't see him outpointing Josh Emmett. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Emmett here. But, again, like I said, it was easy for me to pick a winner, but I obviously can see the problem too. Yeah, Emmett with that 50% takedown defense is going to be really hard to grapple. You're right. Okay, so again, okay. We, we can do this every time you bring up a stat, but like, look at who it's against, like, or look at how many there are. You you can't just say like it's oh he's got a fifty percent takedown defense and he's been taken down one time out of two times in seven hundred fucking fights. Like it it just it, the stats like that don't matter. See how mad I can get you? It's so easy <laughs> to to push your buttons, Dan. All right, so we differ on the last fight. On the prelims, and that's just the prelims. We've got the main card coming. We should, I guess, I should start talking faster first. We want to do prelims ad free, as we always uh, sponsor free, as we always uh, promise you people. Let's tell you about Sobat. This is when did sports betting become so rigid? Sports betting is meant to be social. When I picture betting, I picture bootleggers with mustaches tossing bets around in a speakeasy. Sobat is taking the social lineage of betting and putting a modern twist on it by providing a modern platform. Sobat is changing the game with their new product. Head over to Sobat.io and create an account to see for yourself. Through their fully functioning free web application, you can access a demo of their app, which will launch next fall. This app includes consensus lines from Vegas, a feed of what other people are betting on, and the ability to send friendly wagers to anyone you know via text, QR codes, and links, among other methods. No money is transacted on the app and is purely competitive. Next time you're with your friends watching sports, turn the dial up a notch. Go to Sobat.io and see who can hit the most ridiculous bets. Users have the ability to place bets off Las Vegas odds or generate a bet by changing any metric we want as long as somebody is on the other side to accept. Let's get back to the roots of betting with Sobet. Go to Sobet.io slash SGPN. That's Sobet.io slash SGPN today to join the revolution. Also, don't forget about prize picks. Dan gave you some winning three winning uh, bets over um, on prize picks earlier in the show. Um, make sure you head over to pricefix.com and get signed up today and get that 100% deposit bonus. Use the promo code SGP. And speaking of SGP, we've got our own app, the SGPN app. It's now live in the App Store and Google Play. Make sure you grab it, give us a good app review, and you can get easy access to all our picks and podcasts and whatnot. All right, heading to the main card, Bantamweights. 
I think we may differ on this one too. Let's see. Holly and Paiva versus Sean O'Malley. Sugar Sean O'Malley. The man who is immune to heroin um, and opiate addiction. Um, Paiva, 21-3. Four knockouts, three submissions. Three and two in the UFC. Uh, however, he's won three straight fights after dropping his first two. Used to fight down at flyweight. He has missed weight before. Hence him fighting up uh, at Bantamweight now. Um, what else can I tell you? He was on Contender Series. He's 1-0. I've said what else can I tell you so many times this podcast has turned into a crutch for some reason for me. He was the NEC champ, which we're big fans of. Probably, what, Northeast Championship? Let's say that. Does that sound good? Sure. Yeah, that works. Uh, he's at plus 240 if you want him. Uh, Sugar, he's 14-1, 10 knockouts, 1 submission, 6-1 in the UFC. He's won two straight fights. His last four wins have all come via a form of knockout or technical knockout. He was 1-0 on the Contender Series. He also used to fight at Flyweight. He was the ICF champ. I think that's the Insane Clown Posse Federation Championship, right? <laughs> that's got to be. He looks it's like a be. juggalo, it's right? Be. Yeah, it's got to be that. He, he has juggalo hair, so he very well could be a juggalo. And juggalo tattoos, so yes. He was a, he had one pro boxing fight where he went 1-0. He's got three inches of height on Paiva, three inches of reach, striking stats in his favor, plus he's twice more active striking. Grappling stats also in his favor, plus, uh, sorry, minus 325. We'll let Dan go first. So I'm, you're right. I'm going to take Paiva here. Uh, How did so, you know I was taking sugar? Because uh, I just know you're going to take sugar. Um, Everybody is. Minus 325, dude. I, I, yeah, okay, so I've hit a couple of plus 230-plus yeah. favorites two weeks in a row. Uh, and I'm going to go with another one here in Paiva. And the reason why this is the, the big one I'm cherry-picking is, is I think – I think a lot of people are seeing, first of all, the the hype behind Sean O'Malley. When you pick Sean O'Malley and you put a bet on Sean O'Malley, you're not just paying for his odds to win the fight, but you're paying for the juiced-up odds of everybody else who put money down on him. Uh, and in addition to that, I think also people undersell Paiva a little bit because of those losses you talked about and the fact he didn't even look good in one of those wins in, at, at uh, flyweight. At Bantamweight, he's a different animal. He absolutely dismantled Kyler Phillips, who was ranked at the time, um, and as a teammate of Sean O'Malley. But, like, I think the interesting thing about Paiva is he can hang with O'Malley on the feet. I don't think he's better than him on the feet, but I do think he can grapple, too. His move to the back is really sharp. Um, he winds up with really good back control. He's got submissions on his record. I think Paiva here has so many paths to victory that ignoring him at plus 240 or even when that number balloons up a little bit more closer to fight time, you know, it, I would not be surprised to see it in the 280 to 290 range. I, I think it's silly not to consider Paiva. Yeah, I'm maybe not a fan of the odds, but I think uh, O'Malley's striking is going to get it done. It won't be any problems at all against Paiva. So, um, yes, he is he is hyped up, and yes, it would be easy to since he looks looks like a clown and acts like a clown to treat him like one, but he's actually pretty decent fighter, and I don't think Paiva's um, a massive step up in competition by any means for him. So, we'll see. We shall see, Dan. That's a, that's a beautiful thing about this. We shall see. It's not hypothetical. We'll actually find out. All right, flyweights, Kai Kara, France versus Cody Garbrandt, who's finally making his – how long have we heard about him going to, to flyweight? It seems like it's been years, right? Well, it was just because he was going to steal a title shot at one point in time. But right. now, now, he's, now he's accepted that he actually has to be a fighter in that division before he gets that. And he looks extremely thin the last time I saw him, right? Yeah, that's the word on the street. Yeah, word on the street is he's very thin. All right, um – we got no love, Garbrandt, versus Don't Blink, KKF, Kaikara France. Uh, let's tell you about Don't Blink first. 22-9 with one no contest. 
10 knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out himself twice and submitted three times. He's 5-2 and two in the UFC. He has gone loss, win, loss, win. He won his last fight via knockout. We got, we got the pattern again here. 1-1 one one in the Ultimate Fighter. He used to fight up at Bantamweight. He made his debut way back in 2010, which is a bit of a surprise. He seems like a young fellow still, but he's been around a while. Four inches of reach on Garbrandt, two years younger than Garbrandt. Striking stats in his favor, plus he's one and a half times more active striking, plus 120. No love, Garbrandt, who hasn't got a lot of love on this, this podcast in the past. He's 12-4 uh, <laughs> with, with 10 knockouts. He's been knocked out three times. Three of his four losses have come via knockout. Um, and those three knockout or TKOs have all come recently. He's one in four over his last three, last five fights, and three of those losses were of the knockout variety. Um, he's seven four in the UFC overall. He lost his last fight. He used this will be his debut at flyweight. He used to be the champion at bantamweight. He also used to fight up at featherweight. Uh, he's four inches taller than Kaikara France. Grappling sat in the favor of minus one fifty. I will be taking the underdog here. Kaikara France, uh, Garbrandt fights dumb. France has knockout power. Garbrandt will be, Garbrandt was getting knocked out at Bantamweight, and now he's going to be cutting weight, which is never good for brain cells, uh, or never good for fluid in the brain, which will make him easier to get knocked out. Not that I'm a scientist or a doctor here, but um, I think France is worth, Care France is worth the plus 120 uh, rule of the dice here. So I will be taking him. Yeah, and I'm going to go with you, too. Um, for, for all the reasons you said, and in addition to that, like, uh, you know, I, I take a lot out of what Cody is doing right now going to flyweight as the same as what TJ Dillashaw did going to flyweight. And like you mentioned, you know, it's not good for your brain. It's hard, It's easier to get hit really hard. And I also worry a little bit about whether or not Cody Garbrand can keep a Kai Kara France pace. Because Kaikara France has an incredible pace. Even when he's not knocking you out, that dude is throwing nonstop punches for 15 straight minutes. I'm not sure Cody Garbrandt is going to have that kind of uh, cardio. So I'm worried about his cardio. I'm worried about whether or not he's going to get his brain mashed in. And I'm worried about whether or not he's even going to have the same knockout power he used to have, which was really, it's really one of his few selling points apart from his really great defensive performance against Dominic Cruz. So yeah, I like the dog money here on Kaikara France, too. I, I think it's a no-brainer. Garbrandt lands three strikes a minute, absorbs eight of uh, four strikes a minute, uh, so he takes more than he gives out. And Kaikara France, five strikes landed per minute and takes in about four. So, um, And who knows how how Garbrandt's going to look on the scale also on Friday. That's that's another thing that uh, that you have to consider. So we are agreeing on that one. All right, moving on. Here's kind of a... A tricky one uh, for out-of-the-cage issues. Welderweight, Jeff Neal versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Ponzinibbio is the Argentine dagger, which I've never heard before. Uh, he's also the gentle ball, which I believe I've heard before. Jeff Neal's hands of steel, hands with a Z. You know how I feel about misspelled things, Dan. Um, yeah, I don't love it either. <laughs> uh, this one is pretty almost a pick on the board also. Uh, Neal is a very small underdog at this point. Um, of note, with Neil, he was arrested on around Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving for DWI and illegal firearm usage or carrying. I, I thought you guys, it was a wild west down there. I thought you all were strapping. I I I don't I, I don't know how he got that because it seems like in Texas it's hard to do. <laughs> no, apparently you're, apparently is if you're intoxicated you're not allowed to have a weapon. So imagine that that's uh, that's actually uh, 
rather smart for them. So yeah, it seems but, pretty common sense. Yeah, yeah. But his, you're a Northeast Dan. You don't understand how things work down there. But um, apparently, his lawyer says he wasn't really intoxicated. And once the blood tests come back, which apparently are going to take weeks or months, um, if he really wasn't intoxicated, then he, the weapons charge gets dropped also. So that's how it works. So if he wasn't uh, intoxicated, then he's allowed to have whatever weapon he had. So. Anyhow, all that to say is there's who knows how hard he's been training and who knows what kind of mental state he's in at this point. So uh, he's as for his actual fighting resume, 13 and four, eight knockouts, two submissions, five and two in the UFC. However, the two in that have come in his last two fights, which he lost both of one in the contender series. He used to fight at welterweight. That's right. He used to fight at middleweight. This one is at welterweight. He has had trouble missing weight in the past. He's got two inches of reach on Ponzinibbio, four years younger. Grappling stats in his favor, minus 105, so a very slight dog there because Ponzinibbio is at minus 120. Um, he is 28 and four, 15 knockouts, six submissions. He's been knocked out himself three times, so three out of his four losses have come via, via knockout. 10 and three in the UFC. He's won eight of his last nine fights. Um, he did win his last fight also. He was 4-0 in the Ultimate Fighter. Pro debut 2008, UFC debut 2013. So he's a grizzled vet. Uh, he's got an inch of height on Neil. Striking stats in his favor, minus 120. This is one of the ones I have a question mark beside. But you get to pick first, though. Yeah, this was, you know, I mentioned a, a second ago that there was one more on the main card that I felt yep. really uncertain about. It's this one. Um, just because, like, J- Jeff Neal's last two losses uh, leave me with a lot of questions. Like, I don't know what's going on there. Um, he looked, you know, like a world beater. Um, I didn't think he was going to beat Wonder Boy, but he looked incredibly bad against Wonder Boy. Like he just didn't know how to find range on a dude who could really strike. Um, and then he he had trouble finding range on Neil Magny too, which uh, is a bigger problem because not only is Neil Magny, I, I mean he is longer, but he doesn't fight longer than Wonder Boy. Nobody in the whole world fights longer than Wonder <laughs> nope. Boy. So uh, you know, like. It's worrisome to me, so I'm going to go with Ponzinibbio at the end of the day. Uh, I've got my own concerns about Ponzinibbio's injury history and how, how he got knocked out by uh, Li Jingliang, who I generally don't think of as a particularly good puncher. But also right. he looked bounced back really – yeah, it, he bounced back so well against Miguel Baeza. So almost I – think, I think my pick is largely based here on, like, which guy has looked decent most recently. And, and Ponzinibbio did look really good against Baeza. So I, I'm going to go – I guess we'll call it with the hot hand here in, in Ponzinibbio. Yeah, that's who, that's who I was leaning towards also. Um, no, we do love Fortis MMA, which Neil's from, but have have they haven't had as much success over the past few years as when they burst onto the scene recently. Have is it the their fighters seem to reach a certain level and they can't really break through into the elite? Am I wrong with with that thinking? I mean, it, I, I think part of that thinking would probably come from the idea that, well, first of all, they, they don't have a particularly deep roster. Um, yeah. so you, you know, like to say that they didn't get anybody breaking to the elite, I mean, like, take any gym that's got, like, seven guys in the UFC and be like, why isn't there anybody yeah, elite there? And even in that sense, too, like, Jeff Neal's a top 10 welterweight, right? Or close, damn yeah. close to it. So, I, I mean, like, that's pretty impressive for a gym that's got like seven guys in the UFC. They also got Murano who just won and is probably close to being ranked at welterweight. They got Uriah Hall, who's a top 10 middleweight, you know, like they, they've got a whole bunch of top 10 guys. And for a gym that's that small and that new, 
Uh, I'm giving them a lot of props. But you're right. Uh, no title challengers out of there, really. Their light heavyweights have kind of faltered lately, like um, Alonzo Menafield and Ryan Spann. Right. So um, there, there's definitely some growth to be there. But I, I think uh, – I, I don't think it's anything they're doing. I think it's just that it's, like, really hard to become somebody in the top ten. Uh, and most of those guys come out of those – massive super camps that have 700 true. guys in them and shit like that. Very true. Well, we love Saif Saad anyhow, and he does a great job with 4 to 7 May. So hopefully they have uh, have someone break through uh, into the tippy top of, of whatever division we're talking about. All right. We got nothing but title fights uh, headed our way now. Women's Bantamweight, Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena. This was rescheduled from... You'll see 265, uh, Nunez got COVID. The whole family, I think, got COVID. So that was back when COVID was still a thing. So uh, it's not anymore, though, obviously. Um, all right. We got the Venezuelan Dixon would be the challenger, Pena, versus the Lioness, uh, Nunes, a.k.a. Goat, we call it around these parts. Um, all right. Pena, the challenger, 10-4, and four, three knockouts, four submissions. She's been subbed two times in her career, so after her loss, has come to be a submission. She's 6-4 and four in the UFC. She's gone loss, win, loss, win. Obviously, that is the makings of a title challenger, right? <laughs> One or <laughs> last night via submission. It's bad. It's not good. Yeah. Right place, right time. And then the fight got postponed, so really, it was not really even – She's she, anyhow, I guess they didn't want to take away from her after the fact. But, yeah, shallow division, and Amanda Nunes tends to like to stay active. So uh, a lot of people get title shots uh, that you may not expect. Um, last two, Her last two losses are via submission, um, for what that's worth. She was 3-0 in the Ultimate Fighter and the champion of that show. She made her debut in 2009, UFC debut 2013. She's a year younger than Noons, plus 550. Uh, the champ, the GOAT, the greatest female fighter of all time, is 21-4, 13 knockouts, four submissions. She's been knocked out herself twice, half of her last to come via knockout. So there's a path for you, uh, Pena. Knock her out. She's 14-1 in the UFC. Who did she lose to in the UFC, Dan? Quick, go. Uh, she lost, it's, it's not Sarah Mc, no, it's somebody like Sarah McMahon, right? I believe Oh, it it's Kat, it's Kat Zingano. It's Kat Zingano. Yes, That's who it was. Zingano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was seven years ago. She's she did beat Sarah McMahon shortly thereafter. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's been undefeated in, it's been over seven years now. It was, uh, I think I, September was that, 2014? Um... Where is she? Here she is. She's won 12 straight fights. Uh, like I said, her last loss, 2014. She's the champ at 135 and 145, because 145 is a legitimate weight class, right? Sure. Why not? <laughs> sure. Uh, she's 1-1 one one in Invicta, 1-1 one one in Strike Bar, so that was before she was really getting her legs under her, obviously. Uh, she made her debut tw- 2008, USC debut 2013 as well. Two inches taller than Pena. Striking stats in her favor. One and a half times more active striking. Grappling stats in her favor. Minus 900. I guess I'll take the minus 900 uh, here, Dan. I'll make, what, um, a couple bucks. pennies on it? Not nine, nine bucks. bucks. Good. <laughs> better, better than losing. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there's literally no path to victory. There's yeah, she none. can knock her out. She can knock her out, obviously. Juliana Pena can? I said she, she could knock her out. I didn't say she's going to. Because <laughs> Noon's uh, lost, Does she lost get to bring, knockout. So. Did she get to bring a baseball bat with her? Like, yes. No, she did you can't. not hear that? They just announced that today, yeah. The base, it's a baseball did, bat match. If they did, I'm taking I'm taking Amanda Nunes. <laughs> <laughs> In a street fight, Amanda Nunes wins. Yeah, she can bring a baseball bat. I'm still taking Amanda Nunes. Like, 
Julian Pena's actual path to victory that people will draw when they're trying to talk themselves into this is that she can grapple. Remember that she when you're when you're when you're trying to talk yourself into that foolishness, just remember that she got submitted by Jermaine Durandamy, um, and just ignore Noted this grappler. Fight. Yeah, no, noted, noted lanky grappler Jermaine Durandamy. Um who uh yeah, it, it's just this is a no brainer. Take Amanda Nunez. Um you know, look for props if you're looking to bet this fight. Don't bet it straight up. It's really not worth it. Um, so, yeah, I, Amanda Nunes is all the way, though. And like um, like I said a few weeks back about Cyborg, I will watch Amanda Nunes no matter who she fights. So I don't yeah, care. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll watch a staged Amanda Nunes murder any day. Exactly. That's Dan's, that's Dan's jam, actually. Um, all right, main event time, lightweight championship. Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier. Um, Dole Bronx, uh, he's from the Bronx, but he's not technically from the Bronx where people think the Bronx, New York, but I currently, apparently they call, they call the, um, the poor areas or the slums in Brazil, the favelas, they call them Bronx. Do you know that, Dan? I did not know. That's, that's, that's why he's from me. the Bronx. I read it probably on Wikipedia and that never lies, right? Hasn't yet. <laughs> no, uh, he's fighting the diamond. I thought it was just diamond, but it's the diamond. Did you know it was the diamond? I Dustin think that's a, I think that I think that's a new article that that might really? that might have just yeah, been added. Yeah, I don't remember the diamond. <laughs> but anyhow, um, this is one of the rare fights where the champ is the underdog. So I will give you his breakdown first because I tend to go underdog first. So um, Charles from the Bronx, thirty-one and eight, one no contest, nine knockouts, nineteen submissions. He's been knocked out himself four times and submitted three times. So he's been finishing all of his losses except one. He's 19 and 8 with one no contest in the UFC. He's been around forever and he's not even that old. Uh, 2008 pro debut, 2010 UFC debut. Um, this is what, 29th UFC fight? Uh, he's nine. He's won nine straight fights and won the title in his last fight. Uh, he's eight of his la- eight of those nine wins have come via finish. Um, he's got the record for the most finishes in UFC history. Is that right? Yeah, I think I wrote the 17 finishes he's had in UFC history, which I believe is the record. Uh, he has missed weight in the past, but he seems to have all that fixed. That was more when he was down at, at featherweight. This obviously is at lightweight. It's for lightweight belt. He's also fought up at welterweight before, too. Uh, he was the predator, predator FC champ as well in the past life. He's got an inch of height on Poirier, two inches of reach. Grappling stats in his favor, plus 130 coming back on the champ. All right, the diamond. 28-6 with one no contest, 14 knockouts, seven submissions. Half of his wins have come via knockout, uh, by my math. He's been knocked out himself twice and submitted twice. He's 20-5 and five with one no contest in the UFC. He's won three straight fights in seven of eight. He won two straight fights via TKO, both against that swole. Uh, actually, he was, that was before he got swole, uh, Conor McGregor. Um, where am I here? He used to fight also at featherweight. He made his... Pro debut 2009, UFC debut 2011. He was one one in WEC. He's one and a half times more active, striking than Oliveira, minus 165. And my co-host gets to go first here. So my turn to go first? I was interested in what you were going to pick first, but I'm going to guess that I'm not swaying you. I can go first if you want. I'm going to guess that. I'm taking Dustin Poirier. Power. uh, Good in every aspect. I don't think he's going to get himself submitted. And I, I like his... Uh, even though um, Oliveira's striking seems to be getting better and he seems to be getting extra power on his strikes, I still like Poye on the feet, and I think he's a strong off grappler. So, Poye. Yeah, I, so 
I, I'm going to take Oliveira. I'm going to differ with you, first of all. Um, oh, and second of yeah. all, the, the reason why is I, I'm definitely not going to b- debate you that I think Dustin Poirier is a better boxer. I, I think undoubtedly he is. The difference maker for me in this fight, though, is not just the takedown, but the threat of that takedown. Um, I, I think part of the reason why Charles Oliveira knocked out Michael Chandler was because Michael Chandler was worried he was going to get taken down and started backing up and out of exchanges more often. And as he was backing out of an exchange, he got sloppy and got tagged. Um, But he was just unwilling to be in close-range exchanges because he knows if he misses on one of those strikes, he gets taken down. Um, The other thing about Dustin Poirier, what was the notorious thing he did to beat notorious Conor McGregor? Oh, pun. Hear that? That was good. Yeah, look look at what I did there. Uh, Uh, he, He made him break his leg. Yeah, he he kicked legs, right, the whole time. And even yeah. in the first fight, that's what he was doing. You don't want to kick legs against Charles Oliveira. We've seen him catch kicks and trip people pretty easily. He did that to, to Tony Ferguson really badly. He made Tony Ferguson look like a fool on the mat. And don't get me wrong. Again, Dustin Poirier, good on the mat, probably is going to defend takedowns pretty well. But but Charles Oliveira is a beast when it comes to finishing subs. Um, he he's I mean, he's finished more than any human being ever in the UFC, there's a reason for that. And I, I really think there's a chance he gets a sub, but regardless, I think the threat of the takedown and the takedowns themselves wind up leading to him winning enough rounds here that he takes the decision um, at the very least. So, yeah, I'm going to go underdog here. Charles Oliveira gets it done. Yeah, it's it's a, a tough one to pick, though, right? I, I definitely think it's a tough one to pick, yeah. And, and like, I, I flip-flopped a couple of times, but, like, I went back and watched him take down Michael Chandler. And here's another thing, too. What 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 is Dustin Poirier even jokingly talk about doing all the time when somebody tries to take him down? He's like, I jump guillotine. You everybody always jump guillotine. Like, if he does that, he winds up in a bad spot. And I, I don't know necessarily that he will against Charles Oliveira because it seems silly. But, like, Michael Chandler did. Michael Chandler jumped guillotine and then wound up on his back or having his back taken for, like, two whole minutes. Um, and I think he worried after that. And I, I don't know necessarily that, that Poye is a worse grappler, but um, it, it is another facet here that helps me lean Oliveira. What's that? That, that, uh, that, that like, there is that threat there. There is that. Oh, yeah. Okay, right, right, right. Yep. Po- possibility that, like, he gets taken down and then he worries about being taken down for the rest of the fight. Yep. Very true. But it should be a good fight. Looking forward, looking forward to it for sure. All right. Props parlay. This is where you shine, Dan. This is where you always tell me, even if I destroy you overall in picks, this is where you can shine with, with your big parlays and props. So I got two picks that I'm um, kind of excited about here uh, that I think are, they're like ridiculous D-Gen plays as far as props go. I Perfect. can't believe That's this. But for. So, so first of all, Amanda Nunez uh, by submission. So uh, there is a chance Juliana Pena shoots here and, and thinks she's going to get 100 takedowns and keep shooting and keep shooting, and Nunez subs it, right? Because Nunez is coming off a submission victory. Nunez by submission in this fight is plus 400. Um, you're going to get four to one money nice. on her. Now, do I think she's more likely to knock her out? Yeah, but your knockout prop here is still at like negative 200 or something like that. But the but the sub prop there is really intriguing to me. There's a chance she tags her and subs her when she gets around the ground, or there's a chance that, you know, she just shoots too many takedowns and gets front choked or something like that. 
So, yeah, I like that prop. The other one I'm going to go with, and this is just to spite you, Ryan Hall by first-round finish. Uh, Ryan Ryan, Ryan Hall by first-round finish plus 400. Dude, he's going to get it done in the first round. He's going to submit him in the first round. If you have a book that does uh, particular victories uh, by, uh, you know, instead of just, like, you know, finish in the first round, uh, the one I'm looking at right now just has finish in the first round. But if you have sub in the first round, Play that. You'll probably get plus 405 instead of uh, uh, plus 400. But, uh, yeah, Ryan Hall submits Derek Minner in the first round. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but going back to Nunes, it, it's very feasible that she rocks her with strikes and finishes her with submission. So, you know, that, that, that could very easily happen. Yeah. And, and okay. Ryan Hall could also finish Derek Minner. <laughs> no, that one's not not so likely, not as likely. But um, all right, you got you got a uh, crazy parlay that you like to give out to the the gens out there. Yeah, the super the super fan jong parlay. Uh, yeah, super fan yeah. jong parlay. So the super fan jong parlay, we're gonna get ten to one here. Uh, I'm gonna start building that parlay with Tai Tuivasa. Um, I I think he's in a really favorable matchup and to see him at even money here. I, I think that that's a really easy one to throw in And two other odds that I really like as far as uh, how low they are. Randy Costa and Andre Muniz are both just two guys um, who you can get really good numbers uh, returned on Costa in a, at about 170 and Muniz at about negative 140. Um, and that's going to build you really up after that. We want to take some people who are pretty darn confident in. So we're going to take Bruno Silva, um, even though he's a, a very large favorite. Um, and then for my last pick, I need one more person to get me to that famed 10 to one. Uh, let's see. Let's go with, oh, heck, let's go with Ryan Hall. <laughs> Negative 200. And that brings, uh, that brings you right to 10 to one. We're going all in on Ryan Hall this week. This is he's doing these picks out of spite. Everyone realize this before you waste your money on this. Or realize it's the most brilliant set of picks you've ever seen before. (laughs) Fine, I will I will let you have Ryan Hall as a lock if you want. I'm going to take the Zohan now. Randy Costa for my lock at minus one ninety five. Um, it is your turn to pick. Zohan's probably. I I took Zohan. Zohan's probably a better. Let me think about this for a second. Now I didn't have a. I'll I'll go with Ty Tuivasa. I said start every. Yeah, I was thinking Um, him too. Damn near even money on this guy. I don't know why this is even money. He is on a great trajectory right now, and Augusto Sakai just is not. There you go. Our 15-minute dump is over with, finally. Right, Dan? The 15-minute dump. (laughs) It's really a 90-minute dump, but nonetheless, uh, hopefully this wasn't a dump in your ears. Hopefully you enjoyed this and and got some some knowledge dropped on you out of it. Um, Make sure you follow us on... Twitter, Jeff Fox writer, he's Gumby Reeland. Uh, you can go to my MMA site, MMA-Manifesto.com, scroll down, find the Pick'em Contest. You can enter our Pick'em Contest for free. It's lots of fun. Uh, and read our articles, obviously, uh, on there and on SportsGamblingPodcast.com. Subscribe to the MMA Gambling Podcast feed so you get everything in your ear holes uh, second we drop it, so you don't have to wait. And if you want to head into our Slack, it's lots of fun over there, SGPN Slack. We have lots of fun on all the channels, especially in the fights channel did we not did we not cover everything dan you nailed it all you sure yeah okay i uh so we'll be back on sunday and we'll talk about ryan hall for sure how he let dan <laughs> down um in the meantime i will remain juicy juicy jeff fox he will remain the 15 minute dump man dan really <laughs> and we will catch you on sunday bye-bye